Welcome to Radio Free Oz's daily podcast, today being Friday, August 19th, 2011. Now, some people think that Rick Perry is a gift, and other people just give him gifts. Politico dug through his financial disclosures and finds he's received over 90 personal gifts, many of them from top donors and political appointees during his 11 years as Texas governor. Well, what are they? Among the gifts, cowboy boots, 22 pairs, Stetson hats, belt buckles, cufflinks, a TV, medical tests for him and his wife, nine hunting trips, dozens of tickets to sports games and concerts. Yahoo! This is Bush all over again. You don't think so? Well then, everything you know is wrong. Joe the Lizard Lieberman has turned out a book. It's called The Gift of Rest, Rediscovering the Beauty of the Sabbath. And he gives this uh, surprising bit of detail. He says, if I may come close to the edge, and this is the edge for Joe, as I say in the book, the rabbis in all their brilliance did create, oh, a couple of thousand years ago, one of the things that should happen on the Sabbath is that husbands and wives are to be together sexually just in case you miss that during the week. Well, sometimes Joe can't get home for the weekend and he wakes up on the Sabbath and he has no wife next to him with which to conjoin. So what does he do? He just dreams up another way to screw the Democratic Party. The stock market took another bad beating yesterday, dropping more than 400 points. A lot of volatility, not a very good sign. Things aren't looking good. Well, Brian O'Connell in a section of Time magazine called The Curious Capitalist has uh, listed the five fear factors that are driving today's stock market decline. Here they are, the five factors, the five factors of fear that are driving things down. One, the Philadelphia Fed survey of U.S. manufacturing activity came in at a negative 30.7, a huge slide from the expected reading of 1.0. Last month, the Phillies Fed survey reading clocked in at 3.2. That's a sign that one of the main U.S. economic engines is wheezing and hacking and likely heading into a ditch. How are we ever going to get out of a slide if we can't manufacture? Oh, we can piss around and create all kinds of toxic financial instruments, but they don't get nothing made and they don't get anybody hired. All they do is redistribute income from the weak hands to the insiders. Two, Realtor.org is out with its July existing home sales numbers and they're down again. With a caveat, home sales declined from an estimated 4.8 million to 4.67 million for the month. That's down from the 4.84 million in June, although um, year to year, July was up over 2010. Yet, it's still a very weak report. A weak housing market is strongly linked to weaker consumer sentiment. And if consumers aren't spending, businesses aren't making money. It's beyond that, too. The value of your house is such that you're underwater. You owe more on your house than it's worth. So you don't have that extra $25,000 to take that trip to Alaska or buy that extra SUV or whatever, or even send your kids to college. And things do slip because housing was one of the major assets of the middle class. And it's going and continuing to go downhill. Three, Morgan Stanley says the U.S. and Europe are both hovering dangerously close to recession, 
defined as two consecutive quarters of contraction over the next 6 to 12 months. Economists and politicians had hoped to avoid the dreaded R word, but Morgan Stanley's statement released yesterday was the harshest reading of the economy yet this month. The report only adds to market anxiety and an accompanying report from Deutsche Bank that cut China's GDP estimate only through more gasoline on the fire. Hey, let's not forget that there's a big, bad thing happening over in Europe with the euro and the, the countries that, whose sovereign debt is going into default and Germany's economy has screeched to a halt so maybe here Germany can't come to their rescue. That's definitely one of the factors. Okay, four. More Americans filed for unemployment benefits last week, according to the U.S. Labor Department. The data shows jobless claims rising by 9,000 to 408,000 for the week. That's just the ones that actually want to walk down the block and think they can get unemployment. That's the highest figure in a month and a big red flag for the markets today. If U.S. companies resume layoffs, recession is the likely scenario, and traders know it. Fear of losing a job is one of the key drivers in consumer spending, and consumers account for about 70% of the U.S. GDP. And it's criminal the way that large corporations are not creating jobs. They are sitting on their money. They are hoarding the money that they're being lent at almost no interest by the Fed. This has got to be readjusted. Number five, the U.S. Consumer Price Index rose 0.5% for July with a 4.7% rise in gasoline prices hitting Americans in the pocketbook. There it is, oil companies cashing in on the pain. Factor in higher prices on things like food and gasoline to high unemployment and a low housing market picture, and you just have a perfect economic storm and a recipe for an ailing stock market. All of this can be changed, but not if the Congress continues to slash spending, government spending. Somebody told me recently, I'm not unhappy with big government as long as they do big things. Want to stay up all night and rule the world? Facebook, spam, Twitter, and fuck up Iran? I've been up for a month and a half, burned down every firewall in the Pentagon, put a bug out Goldman Sachs ass and shape with Perry Paul on his homepage. Where do I get the energy from this shiny can of hacker spat? Yeah, I'm good. With all the missiles I've learned. Hacker Smack, the brain draining game changer that'll keep you up if you can keep it down. Hacker Smack is a turbocharged blend of caffeine, alcohol, St. John's Ward ginseng, and country style methamphetamine. Hacker Smack is a deniable byproduct of Alzheimer's Brewery, Rehab, Colorado. Yeah, Hacker Snack keeps me up, you know, because I could just fall asleep. It's one way to avoid the economic meltdown. Well, here's another curious capitalist post. This by Michael Schumann. As shown by yet another global stock sell-off, that was yesterday and the day before, investors have finally woken to the reality that we have not yet recovered from the 2008 financial crisis. Really? Many smart economists have been warning that this time was different, that we wouldn't enjoy the simple V-shape return to normality after the Great Recession. Down, 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 hit the bottom, up, 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 not this time. 
but the global investment community has been living in some sort of alternative universe, oblivious to how persistent unemployment, ongoing housing meltdowns, soaring commodity prices, European debt crises, and misguided government policy were conspiring to derail global growth. Rat on! So far, though, policymakers, investors, and business leaders in the U.S. and Europe seem focused on simply returning to the same growth model. In the U.S., everybody is waiting for a revival in consumer spending and housing construction. Yeah, like it's coming. In Europe, the focus is on restoring financial health to besiege governments, but not on what sort of economic system will emerge from the effort. There seems to be an assumption that, with a tweak here and a budget cut there, we can all happily go back to doing what we were doing before. Negatory. But can we? I don't think so. The old system produced a bunch of Americans with too much debt and too little saving, all desperately hoping they could rely on an overstretched government social security program when they retired. In Europe, aging populations and low growth are bringing into question the future vitality of the welfare state systems. On both sides of the Atlantic, pressure from globalization, technological change, idiotic tax policies, greedy corporate management, and in Europe, overly protected and distorted labor markets have been sapping the earning potentials of the middle class. So where do we go from here? Okay, here are a few preliminary thoughts. Embrace the opportunities of the new world order. The new world order. A richer China, India, and Brazil may mean more competition, but also new consumers to buy new products and enjoy new services on a scale never seen before in human history. The emergence of the emerging world means more options for entrepreneurship than the global economy has ever offered. No, the problem's not globalization. The problem is how the West responds to it. We've turned it into a bogeyman. It may be a great opportunity. The U.S. and Europe have simply not prepared themselves for the realities of the new world order. They haven't prepared themselves to compete. They've lived off credit cards and pension checks, borrowing from the future to prosper today rather than investing to capture the growth potential of the future. How? very true. They've built too many houses and wasted effort in dreaming up pointless financial instruments rather than focusing on productive innovation that can't continue. So what will the new growth model look like? The West has to improve its ability to compete with emerging economies. We need massive investments in education and job retraining. Do you hear that, Congress? To upgrade the knowledge and skills people require to take advantage of the new world. Yeah, if you're dumb, you can't build. And if you can't build, ain't no money. If low-skilled workers can't compete with Chinese laborers, then their skills have to improve. There is no other way. More education will prepare more people to work in new industries or to invent new industries of their own. Did you hear that, Rick Perry? You anti-government ignoramus who built the so-called Texas miracle on the backs of the poor. We have to invest just as heavily in the infrastructure of the future, whether that means new airports or new communication systems. After traveling around Asia, I can assure you that the mobile phone networks and transport systems of the U.S. are an embarrassment. Making such new investments not only would improve efficiency, but also create jobs. And we need corporate reform. The maximized shareholder value at all cost model isn't working to spread the benefits of globalization to the masses. Hey, I'm one of the masses. I ain't getting it. 
The rich are getting richer and the poor poorer. We need a new social contract that recognizes the reality that the future of corporate America depends on the future well-being of its workforce. And if it doesn't catch on, we're just going to have to decapitate it. You think that's impossible? Well, buddy, everything you know is wrong.